This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. I want to invite you to head over to somebodycares.org. There a screen is going to pop up. You'll enter your information and then you can choose what content you'd like to receive from us. Resources available are Doug Stringer's teaching, prayer ministry, our Monday morning encouragement called Provoke a Thought, or Somebody Cares Updates. If the box doesn't appear as you open up somebodycares.org, simply scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see a place to enter your email there. You know, I believe our King is summoning His bride, His church, and saying, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. We read that in James 4.8. In a recent previous podcast, I talked a little bit about the celebration of Purim in the days of Esther. Let me just recap that for a moment. In the days of Esther, when all looked lost, God did a miracle for His people because of Mordecai, Esther, and all those who fasted and prayed. Today, Purim celebrates God's goodness and salvation, but notice this contrast in events leading up to that time. When Queen Vashti was summoned by the king of Persia to come into his presence while he was having a party, she refused. Now, I don't know the whole back end or the story of why she wouldn't go, but scripture says there became a decree that she could no longer come into the presence of the king. She, in other words, was banished from his presence. Now, conversely, When Queen Esther became queen, she boldly came before the king, found favor in his sight, and was received, ultimately exposing the diabolical and nefarious plans against her people, thus saving her people. How many of us in the church can be like Queen Vashti? When our Lord is summoning us and beckoning us into his presence, do we resist for whatever reasons? Do we take for granted our relationship of our king? When he beckons us, are we too busy for him? I've heard it said that familiarity can breed contempt. As I processed that, I thought about Queen Vashti, that she was already royalty. She was the queen of Persia. How many of us who are even as Christians realize that we are part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and sometimes in that relationship with the king, do we become familiar, so familiar that we take for granted this incredible relationship we have with the Lord. Hebrews 10, 29 reminds us that if we're not careful, we can tend to trample underfoot the Son of God, counting the very blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified a common thing and insulting the Spirit of grace. I want to be so careful and cognizant in my life never to take for granted so great a salvation Never take for granted the fact that I've been engrafted into this royal priesthood, this holy nation, because of the covenant love that God gave us through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I don't want to profane the holy, but I want to enjoy this relationship with him. So when the king summons us into his presence, it should come with a sense of expectation and joy and excitement in the Lord. Now, in the days of the king of Persia with Queen Esther, It was a fearful thing to come into the presence of the king, and so she found favor with him. But we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that now because of Christ, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, Esther boldly was able to approach the king and found favor. She risked her very life to approach the king because of Haman, who harbored the spirit of death and hatred and wanted to destroy anything associated to Esther's people, the Jews. He wanted to destroy the people of God, and yet in that kind of circumstance, we see a queen who comes into the presence of a flawed king and finds favor with him. How much more do we find favor with the King of kings and Lord of lords who has brought down the veil of separation? He tore the veil from top to bottom that we might boldly come into the presence of the Lord. And again, Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There are so many who need help today. And because of those of us who can go boldly into the presence of the King, we can bring help to a world in need. The reality is that the Lord is summoning us into His presence. In the very presence of the Lord, we find favor and breakthrough and deliverance and healing and salvation. Jeremiah 29 verse 12 through 14 says, Then when you call upon me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. The Lord is not just summoning us into his presence But His presence actually brings salvation, healing, liberation, and deliverance in and through our lives. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not yet even know. Wow. In God's presence, God is saying, look, talk to me. Require of me. Inquire of me. Ask of me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't even know yet. Let me take a moment to segue here on something that is so important. We, the bride, the church, have been betrothed to the Lord. I want to share with you now the importance of remembering that though we are betrothed to the Lord and we've been summoned to His presence, the bridegroom will return. In other words, the king shall return for his bride. Jewish tradition teaches that when the bridegroom meets with the bride's family, when they're betrothed, He goes back home, but with a promise to return to his beloved. He begins to build a home or a place for her, and she prepares to be a wife where she is. The date of his return is up to the discretion of the groom and the groom's father, who must approve the preparations. Let me give you a quote from an article I wrote in Ministry Magazine from June 2014 by Lennox Abrigo. It says, Betrothal gave a bride a high degree of certainty about her husband's loyalty and reliability regarding these matters. That certainty made her joyfully confident about him returning to take her to their new home, even though she had no knowledge of the day or hour of his second advent or return. Despite these unknowns, the betrothed wife immersed herself in excited preparations for her husband's arrival. In almost every instance, she anticipated and waited for the event with ecstatic expectation, without apprehension created by confusion, uncertainty, and doubt about their marital status and its consequent future blessings. Over and over, Scripture reminds us of God's love for us and His promises to His bride. 
It says in John 14, 2, In my Father's house are many mansions or places to live. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. John 14, 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Revelation 19, 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. We no longer have a dividing wall between us and God because the veil has been rent. Jesus Christ has given us direct access to come boldly into the throne of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We don't have to grovel. We don't have to wait for the scepter to be extended to us. In His presence, God gives us wisdom, favor, and breakthroughs. He is the Baal Perizzi and the master of breakthroughs. He gives us everything we need when we're in His presence. Yes, we've been summoned by the King to come into His presence. And we have the promise of the King of his betrothal for his bride, and we have a promise that he will return again. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. You see, the Lord is reminding us, this is a time to ask of him, to seek of him, to knock for a time such as this, to see God do a miracle in our lives and for our generation, and for his people. From the moment Esther approached the king, God began to turn things around, and the course of the nation of Israel was changed. That moment has become a landmark for us to glean and learn from every day of our lives. We celebrate today because we can come boldly before the throne of grace and have access to the very presence of the king through Jesus, the sacrificial lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. We have confident access to the creator of the heavens of the heavens. In the midst of a very difficult time, God said to his people, Call upon me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not even know. Jeremiah 33, 3 again. That was in the context of a people separated from God and a nation that needed restoration. And God said, Here's my scarlet thread. Here's my promise. See, whatever we go through, God says, call upon me. He summons us into his presence because in his presence, darkness has to flee. I believe we are in a Kairos and Kronos moment. We are in a very divine time, a time such as this, that God is summoning us into his presence and preparing his bride in his presence for his coming again. In studying the scripture, we see two Greek words for time. Kronos, which is measurable, and Kairos, which is an appointed time, an opportune moment, or a due season. In fact, it says in Galatians 6, 9, and 10, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those who are in the household of faith. I believe we are in a Kairos moment, and God is calling us to seize this opportunity in time to be a witness to those around us. We must go and do likewise, as Scripture says, to our neighbors, it says in Luke 10, 37. And let the world see there's something different about us. We don't respond according to the flesh, but we are a people who know how to be summoned by the King and draw near to His presence so that God can move on our behalf and through us to others. When God's people recognize these Kairos moments, we must go to our knees in humility and worship, 
then willingly say, God, I want to be in your presence because that's where victory is and where your salvation is. That's where healing and deliverance are found. That's where breakthroughs are because you are the master of breakthroughs. This is where healing takes place because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. See, we are the living temples of God. What is it you're looking for? What is it you're believing for? What are you seeking God for today? Even with all that's going on in the world around us, God considers your situations just as important. He loves you. He loves His people and wants to have communion with us. He hears our cries. There's nothing too difficult or too big or too small or too insignificant for God. We are that important to Him. You see, Jesus didn't die for brick and mortar. He didn't die for an institution. He gave His life for living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit. We are those temples. We've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When Solomon was dedicating the temple in 2 Chronicles 6, he goes to his knees and prays, saying in essence, Lord, who do I think I am? Even this magnificent place that we have built unto God cannot contain the God of the heavens. In fact, Scripture says that the God that the heavens of the heavens cannot contain. So in other words, Solomon is saying in essence, Why would you even choose to dwell here? But nevertheless, as Solomon humbled himself, God came and consumed the sacrifice on the altar with fire, and God's glory filled that temple. How much more important are you and I, who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, the living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit? If God did it there in Solomon's temple, how much more can He do it in you as the temple of the Holy Spirit? And how much more important are we, the bride, the church, than anything that has been built by man. Jesus gave his own life, shedding his precious blood for you and for me. He didn't give his blood for an institution or brick and mortar. He gave it for living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. And every time we give a sacrifice of our time, our hearts, or our giftings, or our treasures, We're laying ourselves as living sacrifices on the altar of God. And as we lay ourselves on the altar, His fire consumes the sacrifice on the altar and His glory fills our temple. You see, this is a Kairos moment. The King is summoning His people and Scripture teaches us to draw near to Him so He would draw near to us. In the power of His presence, we find satisfaction for the longing of our hearts, which is the Lord Himself. Nothing in this life can satisfy the way that only the Lord can satisfy. I believe we're coming into a season where we'll see a day of deliverance that becomes a day of feasting, gladness, and rejoicing, as well as a time of gratitude and thanksgiving. I know for many it's been a rough couple of years, and it's easy to wonder if there's any end to all the political jockeying, the censorship, and all the other things that are going on around us in the world, like the pandemics and civil unrest and global challenges, these are realities that we need to be cognizant of. But even though I'm cognizant of all these things, I recognize that Jesus is still Lord. And no matter what, He's still my King. And the King is summoning His bride into His presence. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and bring glory to your Father in heaven. People need hope. And they're not going to find that hope if you and I don't step up and let His light shine in us so they can see what we have is real. May we all celebrate daily in the midst of whatever we're going through, the goodness of the Lord for His protection, 
salvation, deliverance, and healing. May we daily show our gratitude by being gracious and even charitable. May we remember the great, amazing, and abounding grace of God as we reflect on the story of Queen Esther and how the Lord used her to save His people. May we also rise up as modern-day Mordecai's, as modern-day Esther's. May we glorify the name of the Lord for a time such as this. A whole generation is at stake. Yes, I believe the king is summoning his bride, the church, into his presence. We, the betrothed of God, a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, with eager anticipation, should prepare ourselves for the coming of the Lord. Let us be glad and rejoice, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and the bride has made herself ready. Are we ready? Are we ready? Let us prepare our hearts to come into the presence of the King. And even now, as the kingdom of God is in us and the kingdom of God is yet to come, we have access to come boldly into His presence in prayer, in humble posture, to receive salvation, healing, liberation, and deliverance, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, we the bride make ourselves ready for the coming of the Lord. If you have a prayer request or praise report, you can email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text the 24-hour Somebody Cares prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Again, that number is 855-459-CARE. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.